Good morning. Morning. Good morning. My name is Tom Carver. I am the lead pastor here at Asbury Corpus Christi. I want to say again, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, and uh, we have been going through a, a series uh, based on the book Incarnation, rediscovering uh, the significance of Christmas by Adam Hamilton. And, uh, and each week we've looked at the names and titles uh, of uh, Jesus. Uh, in week one, it was King. Uh, he was a Christ, Messiah, anointed one. And, uh, and the question that was raised by the, the, uh, by the Magi in, in Matthew 2, 2 is, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Then in week two, it was Savior. And, and along with being Savior, there, there, uh, there is the, the reality that he is also healer, rescuer, and even in his name, uh, it, it, there, is, uh, there is recognition of who he is and what he's doing. Jesus, which means God saves. The angel said to, to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And then in week three, it was Emmanuel. God with us. And, and again, Matthew uh, is the only one who quotes this uh, Old Testament scripture uh, from the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, what we've been looking at is the, the Christmas narrative. Uh, and, and typically when we think of, of, of the Christmas narrative, we e either are thinking of the images that come out of Matthew, like the, the Magi uh, and, and the star, or, or we're thinking uh, of the images that come out of Luke, uh, like the angels singing in the heaven and bringing good news and, and, and announcing it to, to the shepherds. Uh, but there actually is a third uh, Christmas narrative, but we usually don't think of it as a Christmas narrative, and that is uh, in John, and in the opening of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, or the Word was God, and, and then later in, in John, it says, and, and the Word became flesh. That's a birth announcement, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And, and I was just thinking about it, one of the wonderful thing about John is, is he kind of answers the, the question that's often asked about someone who uh, just kind of shows up is uh, where are you from and, and kind of what's your history and he gives us the, the history uh, of this one that we know is Jesus by saying in the beginning was the word and he gives the background of who this one that we recognize today as Jesus of Nazareth Jesus the Christ. And so in week four, we are now looking at the title, Light of the World. And John, uh, in John chapter one, verses four through five, in him, Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, you know, one of the things that we, uh, we here in, uh, in Corpus, and, and we're not a, uh, 
unique and in fact this is going on all across our nation and all across uh, uh, our world this sense of, of kind of life being uh, on pause and kind of backing off because of, uh, of the pandemic and, and I don't need to tell you some of the things that people have been struggling with because you've struggled with them, I've struggled with them, uh, this, this sense of isolation. And, and in, the, in the midst of that, there's, there's been this sense of kind of a creeping darkness in, in our world. And, and yet uh, the reality is scripture plays, uh, plays uh, this idea of light and darkness throughout all of, uh, all of scripture, but whether we're looking at that, those, uh, those parts of the Bible written before Jesus ever uh, came uh, and became uh, the Word became flesh. Uh, we know those as the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. Or, or whether we look at, at, at the, the New Testament, uh, the Christian Scriptures written because Jesus was born. And, uh, and in, in both the Hebrew and the Christian scriptures, there's this play uh, against one against the other, light and, and darkness, life and death, good and evil. Now, as we, as we think about that, I, I want to note there are two kinds of darkness that have crept into our world. Uh, the first kind of darkness is moral dark, darkness. Uh, this is the corruption of God's image. We are image bearers uh, of, of God. As it says uh, in, in Scripture that He created us. Let us create man in our own image. And, uh, and, and that image has been corrupted. And that, that corruption is the, the creeping in of moral darkness. You know, the, the, there's this sense that there is a way that is right and good, the righteous way, the good path. And, and yet, uh, knowing that there is a way of righteousness, uh, we somehow have gotten off the path. As again, scripture says that uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone his own way. Uh, again, there is none righteous, no, not even one. And so this, this recognition that moral darkness has crept into the human soul and has spread throughout our world. And, and we see it in, in uh, some of the headlines, you know, uh, reaching back a, a number of years, we remember that there was a government who went into an elementary school. Reaching back a few years ago, there was a government who went into into a, a church just down the road from us. Reaching back a few years, there was a gunman who opened fire on a, a, on a concert group in, in Las Vegas. I mean, we can go through and, and, and reach back and remember uh, those moments. And we know uh, it's signs that moral darkness has crept into our world. But there's another type of darkness that has also crept into our world and, and it's not because uh, uh, necessarily I have sinned and done something wrong. It's just the reality of, of living in this world at, at this time. And, and, and it certainly is tied into the reality of moral corruption and moral darkness. And, and that darkness is existential darkness. It's situational. It's relational. It's emotional. And in it, it's that, that sense, especially in, in 
uh, holiday seasons, that, that awareness that I should be happy and this is a time of joy and yet I feel sad, I feel lonely, I feel depressed. I mean, the, the, those kind of uh, emotional realities that happen in our world and, and uh, at some point all of us have experienced that kind of, of loneliness and that kind of existential darkness. Now, uh, and again, and we go back to uh, to the scriptures play this light and dark, and, and it's even evident in the very first creative act. In the very first creative act, that here is here is God, and it says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth," and and it describes the chaos, the emptiness that is swirling around in that moment, and and and, and in that moment, God moves in, in a creative way and, and, and it's important for us to understand that John, when he says in the beginning was the word, he's tying back to this very uh, moment of, of God's creative action and he's tying uh, the fact that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are all working in concert together. We look at Jesus' background his background goes all the way to before the beginning, in the beginning. And, and as, as God is at work in that and, and he begins uh, uh, in the first uh, day of work, he only does one thing. And this is what he says, let there be, and what does he say, let there be? Let there be light. And so in the chaos and the emptiness of, of, of that first creative act, what does God do? He says, let there be light. Let the light shine. Now, the interesting thing is uh, tomorrow is the, the winter solstice this year, uh, December 21st. And, uh, and if, if you're like me, you know, I hear this word and I kind of know what it means, but I'm not quite sure when and turned off. And, and the winter solstice is just a, a recognition that, that there's a point where the darkness has fully come. And, 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 and tomorrow will be the, the longest night of our year. It, it, is, it is, the dark has advanced and it continues to advance. And on the winter solstice, it's finally arrived in its fullness. This is as far as it's going to go. And, uh, and, and the reason that we celebrate uh, Christmas on December 25th is there was a point when, when Christians were celebrating only uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know, the, the, the Easter was the celebration or Resurrection Day was the celebration. And, and there was a, a point where they recognized that the scriptures included this birth narrative of Jesus and we should, uh, there is no, there's no life and there's no death and there's no resurrection unless there's a birth. And, and so they decided that we need to, we need to celebrate the birth of our Savior just like they did so long ago and we see it in the scriptures. And so, well, when should we, when should we uh, celebrate that? And, uh, and, and, and they decided, and, and, and it, I'm sure it was influenced by some of the pagan rituals of that day, but part of the reason that they decided to do it on December 25th, because back in those days, December 25th was the winter solstice. 
Our calendar has changed and therefore it's moved around a bit. But in those days, December 25th was the winter solstice. It was, it was re recognition that, that the darkness has advanced as far as it's going to go. And now Jesus, the light of the world, has entered into our world. And Jesus begins to, to move back the darkness. And, and we begin to move toward the dawn. And the, and the long night of the soul is awakened in the light and life of Jesus Christ. Um, when, uh, when we look at, uh, at the scriptures, John uh, is recording various uh, statements that Jesus makes about I am. And in John chapter 8, John, uh, John records for us the, these words of Jesus. I am the light of the world. He goes on to say, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus declares, I am that light. I am the light. Coming back to John's opening uh, verses, he says, in him, in Jesus was life. And so there's this connection between light and light. In fact, uh, John makes a direct connection when he says, and that light was the light of all mankind. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I want to recognize this, that there is no place where the sun will shine today that is not, does not belong to Jesus. There is no people on this earth or has, has ever existed on this earth or that will ever exist at, uh, in the future that does not belong to Jesus. He is the light for all of humanity. He goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, one of the things that it's important for us to uh, recognize is this is not a story for only Christmas. In fact, this isn't a story that only happened uh, during that first, first Christmas and because of that first Christmas ever since. This has been God's plan and desire from the very beginning. When he first said, let there be light, it was always in his heart and in his mind and in his desire that all people everywhere would experience the light and life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why uh, time after time, in the Hebrew scriptures, God would send angels and messengers and prophets saying, saying uh, uh, certain things and, uh, and, and encouraging people to understand. It is God's desire that all people everywhere would experience the light. And he says this in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, I will pour out my spirit on all people. When the church became the church, it was about 120 individuals in an upper room. The disciples had gathered the remaining disciples, the 11 plus others who had followed Jesus. And this was uh, 50 days after the resurrection is the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit was poured out and poured down. And when uh, Peter stood up to proclaim uh, the the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he referenced 
this statement. Ezekiel records the words of God when he when God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, this is God speaking to all of us that there is this moment of transformation. We, uh, we uh, uh, have been corrupted and in that corruption we have, uh, we have remained in, in that place of filth and we have hardened our souls and our hearts and God has said this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a, a new heart. I'm going to replace that heart because that heart is so corrupt and, and has become so hard, you can't even recover. And so I'm going to take that heart out of you and I'm going to place a new heart in you. And he goes on to say, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so in this God in, in the, the Hebrew scriptures is telling us that, you know, this play of, of light and darkness is saying the darkness, the darkness has crept into your soul and you are living in the long night of darkness. But I am going to turn the light on through my son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to change your life. We come back to, to uh uh, John's writing, but now it's a letter that he's writing to, to Christians long after he's written the gospel and uh, at, at a time where uh, he is, uh, he is, he is uh, one of the, the truly elder elders and he says, this is the message we have heard from him talking about Jesus and right before that is that that which we have seen with our eyes and, and touched with our hands and so he's talking about the, you know, the physical presence of Jesus and, and having heard what Jesus had to, to proclaim and this it says this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness we lie and do not live out the truth but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. Now when we talk about uh, moral darkness, there's not a thing that you and I can change uh, 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 in another human being. We cannot pull them out of the moral darkness. We cannot pull ourselves out of the moral darkness. Someone uh, greater and, and purer than us will have to do that. And God has sent his son, Jesus Christ. He says he purifies us from all sin. Uh, that, that when it comes to moral darkness, God through Jesus Christ on the cross has dealt with that reality. He has, he has shone, shown his or shined his light into our souls and, and allow the, the love of God to, to be birthed there. 
And he's transformed our lives if we have turned our lives toward Jesus Christ. And he's the only one who can do that. There is no one else on earth having uh, from the past, from the present or into the future that can do what Jesus does. Only he can turn moral darkness and unrighteousness and ungodliness into the way of righteousness in a human heart. I want to talk about what light does because I was thinking about this and um, and the first thing that light does is it illuminates. I mean, when we, you know, when you go into a dark place, one of the first things you want to do is you want to find the light switch and, and see what's around you. And uh, I was talking with Ellen uh, the other day because uh, she's recently just gotten back into something that she did as a, as a, uh, a girl at, at home, and, and especially around the holidays, is uh, her family would get get out a, a puzzle, and and they would start working on it over a number of days and putting it together. And so she's she's picked up that practice again. And one of the things, uh, and she does it in the evening when the sun has already gone down, so that you know, uh, so she needs light and uh, the overhead light. It it's good, but it's not great, and so. She'll make me turn on my light, and it's like, you know, it's, it's so bright. That, uh, and then she'll turn on her light that's over in her corner, and it'll all be right there. And, and the reason that she, she has all that light is she wants to see everything. She wants everything exposed. And when we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, uh, Jesus illuminates. And he doesn't just illuminate the, the good. He illuminates everything. And so if we're inviting Jesus into our lives, what we're saying is we're willing to take a look at both the good and the bad. Because his light will shine into all of our lives and into everything. And he will deal with that. Uh, and uh, you know, one of the wonderful things is we've got the ability to confess. And it's as if we... Yeah, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, so the reality is we recognize moral darkness has crept into our lives. And as Jesus illuminates our lives, we begin to deal with those things that need to be dealt with. But the other thing that, that uh, light does, and I mean, it's absolutely essential, is is without light, this doesn't happen. And that's light, real light. I mean, the moment the sun go, goes out, we know we're done. It's not just the heat, it's the light. The light, uh, the light uh, provides the energy for, for plants to grow and, and for, for things to happen in our world. And, and so when we talk about the light, uh, of uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. What we're saying is, there is life in him. And again, the moment he is out of my life, I have no life. I stop growing. And so those are the two things, illumination and growth. Um, but here's an interesting thing. When we receive Jesus Christ into our life, I mean, it's, it's kind of like uh, on, on uh, Thursday evening, uh, at 5 o'clock uh, in person and 7 o'clock online, this light 
representing Jesus Christ will be uh, be lit. And, uh, and at some point, someone will have a candle and come and, and light that candle, representing Jesus coming in as the light of the world into that person's life. And then that candle will be taken, and that either, and I don't know exactly how it will happen uh, in each of the ways. I, I do know how it will happen at, uh, at the 7 o'clock, but... People will come up and they will receive the light and then they'll pass on the light. And, the, and, and it represents what happens and what we're called to because Jesus said, not only am I, I am the light of the world, then he also said to us, you are the light of the world. And it, even though I cannot beat back uh, the moral darkness, I can be a part of the solution for the for the uh, existential darkness, the loneliness, the depression, the hurt, the disappointment, things that people are struggling with uh, today, and uh, and and so as we as we think about uh, this season and the titles of Jesus and I am the light of the world and you are the light of the world, I have an assignment for you, your Christmas assignment. This is it. Be the light in someone else's darkness. Be the light in someone else's darkness. And what I mean is, you may be one of those who's wrestling with a sense of isolation and loneliness and you, and you wish that somebody would, would call and, and, and connect with you. And, and rather than being one who waits for that call, allow God to, to, to light, put a light in you, and you make that phone call. You call that person who's lonely and isolated. If you're waiting uh, and hoping every day to, to find a, find a, a card uh, in your mailbox, and, and you want to break up that sense of isolation, you be the light in someone else's darkness and you write the card or the letter or send the text. You be the light in someone else's darkness. To live, to love, to laugh, it is all Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.